0: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity.
1: You're listening to Double G Radio. So, I'm an believer How did that happen? I'm Anybody can be beat. The lady Relax and enjoy our expert analysis of all pro teams in the concrete jungle. Can't wait! It has finally happened. The deed is done. Kyrie Irving traded this past week. We'll tell you where, for who, and more importantly, who won this trade. Cleveland or the other team that received uh, perennial all-star Kyrie Irving? My name is Kyle Thomas. Jason Corden will join me in a second. This is The Box Out on WG Sports, and it starts now. out, Sports Radio. Old Thomas with be Jason corner joining me in a few minutes. And uh, the deal is finally done. It is uh, official. Yeah. Tyree Irving, no longer a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers, traded to Boston this weekend. It's tough to say who wins trades literally two or three days after the trades occur. You can't say who wins the trade, but it's it's pretty close about who got what and who's gonna win this trade. So Kyrie uh he goes to Boston and the, the big part of this trade was the Brooklyn pick. Uh the Celtics did not want to give that pick up for their life. They wanted no part of giving that pick up, but eventually Cleveland kind of had them at the short and curly and said, listen. If you want this guy, you have to give up that pick, and Boston end up giving up that pick. So going to Boston, Tyree Irving. Leaving Boston will be Isaiah Thomas, uh, fan favorite Isaiah Thomas point guard. Jay Crowder, who is a small forward. He can play the 2-3 or the 4. Uh, and he can shoot. Amazing wing defender. They're getting him. Uh, Anthony Zizich, who hasn't played over uh, over here yet, uh it was one of those draft picks that Boston stashed away uh, overseas, but he's going to Cleveland and the rights to Brooklyn's 2018 first round pick. Now if you remember, and I think you all probably remember the absolute ridiculous trade that was made years ago uh, by Boston and Brooklyn. And we you seem to think that 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 trade is so long ago for Pierce and Garnett and Real, uh, Pierce and Garnett and Brooklyn Pierce mortgage the future. To get those two players and how it just blew up in their face it's still happening and it that pick is still there they still have one more pick from brooklyn unprotected which is very important uh that pick doesn't have a top three protection top five protection a top ten no lottery that pick is unprotected so brooklyn's as bad as they were last year which i seriously doubt and uh jason and i have always we've been on the same page about this since the offseason started they're not going to be as bad as they were this year you know, that, that pick was a big chip that Boston didn't want to give up. Danny Ainge was insistent on not giving that pick up, and he eventually had to. So now he has a couple of picks in his back pocket. He has a Sixers pick, a Kings pick, a Lakers pick. If certain things fall into place for Boston, if the Lakers have a really bad season, which they probably will. So Boston aren't – they're not hurting with picks. They're not hurting with more trade chips. But that was the ultimate prize. Cleveland – People in their mind, they have to know, they have to know that LeBron James is leaving Cleveland at the end of the year. That's on their mind. There's a report out, that they're already kind of setting the stage for when LeBron leaves. So that pick is very important because if the the Nets make the playoffs, that pick is kind of like, yeah. But if they miss the playoffs and fall into a lottery and the ping pong balls kind of go Cleveland's way – the Cavaliers can get a really good young pick and start from scratch with that pick. Now, Isaiah Thomas is a free agent uh, after this upcoming season. Then you have Jay Crowder, who I believe is under control for another two years. So you have him. But Cleveland wanted that pick to say, hey, listen, if we get a really good pick, and next year's draft is not exactly the strongest. This year's wasn't that great either, but next year's going to be even more top-heavy. where you are going to have three, four picks and then arrest the role the players. So if the balls go Cleveland's way, they can get a, a, a transformational player and start from scratch, which, also, which is also a reason why Kyrie probably didn't want to stay. Kyrie probably said, listen, LeBron's leaving. I have another year after he goes before I can even think about going anywhere. I don't want to be in this dumpster fire that is the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron leaves town because it's going to be a disaster. It's, it's going to be a rebuild. And Kyrie probably said, I do not want to be a part of that part of that and that's why he requested the trade essentially so it makes sense but it, it it's very it's a very interesting deal only because you don't know isaiah thomas coming off a hip injury how he's going to react is he going to be the same isaiah thomas from last year when he was killing dudes slating enough games scoring 29 30 points in four quarters or is he going to be kind of hobbled is he even going to be ready for the regular season because that hip injury, that's a really long recovery time. Now, reports have Isaiah Thomas looking really good this offseason. But is he going to be even be ready for game one when game one, obviously, oddly enough, Boston-Cleveland, October 17th, game one, TNT, first game of the season. So that worked out perfectly for the NBA and TNT. But that's an interesting pick. Or do you even have now you have LeBron, who's stuck in Cleveland for one more year, probably going to Los Angeles once for the Lakers. Begin his empire in l a and Hollywood is he going to whisper in Isaiah Thomas and jay Crowder's ear? hey listen, they didn't want you no more yeah? you know you're with us now they didn't want you It's up to you now. play your game, do what you need to do, and we'll win and kind of put those inspirational words in their head where Isaiah Thomas is still Isaiah Thomas from last year Drake Jay Crowder becomes like a top 20 player in the in the the the, the frame of Kawhi Leonard, a lot can happen. And as I said, when the show started, you can't really gauge a trade two days after it happens. But if you go all-star break February, you go to the end of the season, March, April, you go to playoffs, then you can really determine how a trade shook out and who won and who lost. Right now, it seems pretty even. It seems like both teams got what they wanted. Boston needed another player. Isaiah Thomas is a great player. Isaiah Thomas is one of those players that will help lead a champion, a, a team to a championship. He'll help. He won't lead. Isaiah Thomas is a two. He's not a number one option. And I think Isaiah, and I think Danny Ainge knew that when he made this trade. And he has an emotion because Isaiah Thomas is a fan favorite. Everyone loved him. And, The city rallied around him in the playoffs when his sister passed away and when he got hurt. And Isaiah Thomas thought he was going to get a max deal from Boston next offseason when his contract expired. But as I said, Isaiah Thomas is not a number one guy. Isaiah Thomas is a two, maybe even a three. Gordon Hayward, who they just signed, Boston. He's not a number one either. Gordon Hayward's a two or a three. So Danny Ainge knew that Boston needed a number one option. Then you got to make the deal. And unfortunately, that deal required you give up that Brooklyn pick that you did not want to give up. Dan- I could imagine the anguish on Danny Ainge's face making that deal, knowing that ba- Boston was going to hold on to that pick as long as humanly possible. And according to reports, this is the first offer that Boston came with, but also Cleveland made it clear. Cleveland wanted either that pick and or Jason Tatum, who Boston drafted in NBA Draft number three from uh, from Duke. So Cleveland made it very clear very early. So that's what they wanted, and they got the pick. So, like I said before, it's going to be tough. It's going to be it's going to be a, it's going to be a weird season. I mean, I know NBA 2K17, those guys over there at 2K are freaking out because Kyrie is on their cover in a Cleveland jersey. And now they're like, well, okay, what, so what do we do now? Do we just get a new picture? Do we just superimpose a Boston Celtic jersey on Kyrie Irving? Or do we pick someone else? Or do we go to LeBron? It, it, it's It's a lot of moving parts. But... It's going to be a very interesting season. And I say this every week with Jason, and he'll he'll be joining me in a in a few minutes. The NBA's made a really they did a really good job this year of making this league year round, where the season ended in June. It's August twenty fifth, seven ten p.m., and we're still talking about NBA, NFLs in preseason. Mayweather McGregor is fighting tomorrow. This week was supposed to be Mac. Mac May. Mayweather, McGregor, that was the whole week. That's what everyone should have been focused on this week. No one cares about the NFL. Right now, it's preseason. Baseball's got to be dog days. at a huge brawl in the Yankee Tiger game, but besides that, no one really cares about baseball right now. This week was supposed to be Mayweather, McGregor, and now this week was dominated. It still is dominated by Kyrie being traded to Boston. The NBA's done an amazing job of making this league a year round thing. The NFL's done it. The NFL's tried to do it, and they kind of fell into a couple holes with, you know, I think the the, the off-the-field player misbehaviors is kind of affecting that. But then the NBA finally got the formula right where they're like, we can make, we can stretch this out and make this league into an amazing, amazing year-round product. And the NBA is doing that right now. So Kyrie's gone. And wouldn't you know who won the pony? Kevin Durant was on a Bill Simmons podcast. And he actually had thoughts about the trade that sent Kyrie to Boston. And he said this on Bill Simmons podcast, listen to a podcast, amazing podcast. After you listen to us, obviously. Uh, Durant said, and I quote, when you're around LeBron James, it's so much that comes with that. It's so much outside distractions, conversations, just noise that just comes around from being, that comes comes from around being around LeBron James. This whole season is going to be about it, about if LeBron is going to leave or not. I'm ready for a, f- a few. Um, I'm ready for a new challenge. He's talking in the voice of Kyrie Irving. All that kind of stuff is met at the pinnacle of why he want to leave. It just just felt like he wanted a situation where he could just be free for all that and play. So interesting words from Kevin Durant. Uh, joining me once again, Jason Cordner, the man who ruled Brooklyn this weekend. What's going on?
0: Not much, man. Not, not much. I was um, here on the phone trying to. You know, talk to Melo and see if he's going to wave that no trade clause or not because uh, I wouldn't mind that next number 10 or eight pick in the draft next year to go along with the Knicks probably 6th or 7th pick in the draft.
1: So I was saying when the show started, I've been saying this pretty much since the show started, that it's hard to gauge who wins trades two days after a trade happens. But I'm going to ask you anyway, who won this trade, Cleveland <laughs> or Boston? <laughs>
0: You know when it initially happened, I thought it was Boston, but that's what's so great about you know just like sitting back and relaxing and really thinking about it. I think the Cavs. I think both teams won and lost, and what I mean by that is I think Cleveland won this year in terms of Boston's biggest defensive threat to LeBron is now his teammate now and and Crowder. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, you know, I'm of the mindset that Kyrie Irving. Is great. No matter I'm sorry. He's good. He's not great. I see too much Marbury in him, the way he wanted to leave Cleveland. He wanted to be his own team. I don't think Boston necessarily is his own team either. He could have had that in Cleveland because we all pretty much, you know, foregone conclusion that LeBron's out of here in a year. And he's injury prone So I don't know how that's going to play out in Boston. And after the Cavs, to me, I'm more excited that they got crowded than they got say than they got Isaiah Thomas because Thomas is still battling with that hip injury. He won't be ready to go until probably November, possibly December. And you know he's he's emotionally hurt that Boston what he, what they did to him, which is a whole nother conversation we we get into about players and owners being loyal. So I'm really on the fence that yeah maybe if I have to push it, I'm gonna say Cleveland won because defensively they got better. And Boston kind of got a little weaker because I'm not really sold on Kyrie Irvin being a savior for that franchise.
1: Well, I was saying right before you got on that if you look at – and Isaiah Thomas is a great player. And I, I, can't, I'm, I, said, I said this before. I said this again. He's a great player. But I don't see Isaiah Thomas has that number one option for a team. I don't see Gordon Hayward has that number one option for a team. Kyrie was that number one that they needed. Do you have a Gordon Hayward now? No, you have a one and a two. They don't have a big three. You kind of have to kind of piece piece it together. So I think in that manner, I think Boston won this trade because they got that number one that they really needed. You're right about Cleveland getting Jay Crowder. I think Jay Crowder is going to be an amazing asset to them, especially in the playoffs. Right. I also feel like Isaiah Thomas is a question mark because that that hip scares me. I think that hip, and they're saying he looks good. Some reports says he looks good. Some reports says he may not be ready for game one. So it, it it's just they're taking this calculated risk on Isaiah Thomas right now at a time when if they want to compete, they can't take any more risk. But
0: that's, that's the next thing too. Like how much are they really do they really want to compete? Because like we said, this LeBron thing is going to be hovering over that franchise all year long. You You and me both agree they're probably getting one or two teams out of Golden State in the finals. Nothing more, nothing less. So it's like I think the real intrigue for the Cavs to pull the off was to get in that Nets pick, which, you know, me and you both agree. We don't think the Nets are going to be top three or worst teams in the league next year. So I don't really – I think Cleveland's really playing it for next year because Isaiah's contract gets off the books. LeBron will be gone. That's more money. They're going to be under the cap. So I think they kind of – they have one foot in trying to compete this year and the other foot in terms of next year.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure everyone knows LeBron's not coming back to Cleveland. And I feel like if if you're a Cleveland fan, hell, if you're Cleveland ownership and front office mm-hmm. who still believe that LeBron James is stayed in Cleveland, you're smoking. You're smoking something good because there's no way he's staying. He's staying in Cleveland after the season. There's no way. Yeah, I just, I just can't see it. No, and and I was thinking about this last night too. Brooklyn has got to be like, okay. So they're still reliving they're still reliving this Boston trade years after the fact. Yeah. I said this last night at work. At work where I couldn't get out and do the show last night. So I stayed an extra like hour. So we need to talk about basketball at Major League Baseball. Brooklyn's better than what everyone thinks. And I'm I'm sorry, Stephen A. Smith was like, well, Brooklyn's gonna be mad, like the picks would be three or four. That picks be like fifteen, sixteen 16s so I really think Brooklyn's making the playoffs. So I think that pick Kind of becomes null and not null and void, but next year's draft is not going to be that great. It's going to be very, very exactly. top-heavy, similar similar to this year, but even less next year than this year. So I feel like if that pick is not in the top four or five, that pick becomes for a role player, not for a, a transformational player that's going to bring Cleveland out of the, the 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 hell that they're going to be in after LeBron leaves.
0: And just for anybody listening that thinks that the Nets are really going to be that awful, just, men, just remember this. The Western Conference is top-heavy once again. So they're going to beat up on the bottom of the Western Conference. And traditionally speaking, the East, those bottom teams in the East can go out West and beat a Laker team that's rebuilding, a Clipper team that's rebuilding, a Pelican team that doesn't have chemistry issues. You know, So I don't think that the Nets are going to be at that bottom tier. I really think if they, like you said, I think they're competing for the I think they either get it or they don't get it. I'm pushing towards 35 wins, and that, does, that normally does not get you a top five pick.
1: So, and some of, some of the Nets, and we're going to kind of flow back and forth between Cleveland and Boston and Kyrie. D'Angelo Russell, you told me a quote he said last, uh, last night when we were texting. He said he wants teams to hate Brooklyn. He said, we struggled over the last two years in Brooklyn. Teams are used to coming in and taking nights off. I just want to rebuild that and make it a place where people can come and say, all right, we got the crowd against us. It's New York. So I feel like he's talking confidently. It seems like that organization is like, listen, we don't have the best team in the NBA. We got it. We understand. Do we have the top eight team in the East? Probably. But can we play hard every single night with better players than we had last year? Oh, hell yeah. I feel like, and I feel like they're all Absolutely. starting to buy into that now. They're buying in Oakline and Sinker now.
0: Absolutely. I think they're really going to run the we're the misfits, where no one believes in us, attitude approach, and it's going to work for them. And there's one thing about the Nets th- throughout the years, between Marbury, Jason Kidd, their point guards show off the play. And I think, I think Russell sees the void in the New York market, especially if Melo does get dealt or not, that we need a new face in basketball. It may be Porzingis, but I think Russell could come out here and kind of pivot that if he has a great early half of the season.
1: And talking about a void in New York with uh, New York basketball, the Kyrie deal is done. There was a lot of talk about the Knicks trying to kind of jump into the fray and offer Carmelo and picks and players, not Porzingis, because apparently Cleveland wanted Porzingis as part of the deal. New York said no. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony's still a Nick. It's August 25th. Training camp starts in a few weeks. What happens now with the Knicks? Where does this organization go now?
0: I, I think it's better when try to bend the fence and uh, try to reel back in Carvello. Because as much as he wants to go to Houston, I think he needs to like let that go and just you know embrace playing in New York for one more year. See what the young guys could do.
1: The, my question is, do you see... Do you see this kind of being fixed, or do you see this as, as, as too far gone?
0: I think, you know, I think it could be fixed. we got the brothers running the garden now. James Doan has, you know, he's really gone a whole full year, just minding his business, not really getting involved. So I think it's really up to the new Knicks brass to, like, really put their arms around the Carmel and I'll be like, hey, listen, you still got Porzingis. Let's see what this French rookie can do. Let's see what a motivated Tim Hardaway Jr. can do for you. Still got Holman, you still got Gomez. The East is weaker. You know, realistically, you should compete for a playoff speed. And I think that's the best You know, Cleveland's in disarray. So, it's, you know, I mean, it's wide open. You should really think about staying.
1: So Steve Mills had a blog on an MSG um, website talking about the – of the vision of the Knicks and besides calling New York a very seductive city, which is weird wording for for this blog. Um, he he kind of added what he wanted to see from the team and what we hope what we want to see. And I quote, and our plan has become more useful and athletic and is underway with 22 year old Christoph Porzingis, the return of Tim Hardaway, Willie Hernan Gomez, and with the debut of first round pick draft pick Frank and I was call him Frank because I never remember. I can't pronounce his last name. But he – and I'm look, looking at his blog. He left out Carmelo completely. Carmelo was not mentioned once in this entire blog. And this blog is substantially long. It's, it's, it's a long read. Carmelo's not mentioned once. So Carmelo seeing that, and I asked the question again, can mm-hmm. this really shit be rebuilt after your president – pretty much said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We want to do this. It didn't even include the guy who is still your number one player on your team. Oh, man.
0: It's going to be a tough <laughs> training camp. It's going to be a very interesting training camp, to say the least. Worst case scenario, I think if Melo does get dealt, he doesn't have until, like, right before the trade deadline. And that gives the Knicks enough time to really up his trade value. Maybe one of these mm-hmm. bubble teams that think they can com- compete in the Western Conference or maybe someone that's in the East that someone like, you know, like Washington who has made no moves this off season after they were so close to knocking off Boston in the semis last year, somebody might get desperate and offer a King's ransom to the Knicks. So, you know, maybe it's in the Knicks' best interest to try to mend the fence for now and be like, hey, listen, Mello, we know you don't want to be here and we're still looking to deal with you, but in the meantime, let's all play nice, let's, you know, let's not leak anything and, Let's increase your assets and get you on a playoff team before the end of
1: the season. It's going to be very interesting. Like you said, that that first day of training camp when Melo shows up and questions are asked and, you know, Scott Perry is going to be there and not knowing how to answer questions and Steve Mills is going to have that deer in the headlights look like he had when uh, Perry got introduced. It's going to be very, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to do a show. After that first training camp session, because I'm gonna be, I'm probably laughing the entire time.
0: <laughs> I can't wait for the training camp to open and that, like you said, that first trip is gonna be so interesting to see the body language. Oh god!
1: Well, could you imagine the body language if Cleveland just say, you know, what? We're not gonna trade you, Kyrie. You stay here. Can you imagine that first day in Cleveland training camp when Kyrie showed up? I, I, I almost wanted that to happen.
0: But you know what? I, I'll give Cleveland's new general manager a lot of props because I, I did not think they would have traded Kyrie. I thought that was in, like, something come training camp, they mend the fences. I didn't know it was that bad. So to me, it, it must have been a lot worse than they were letting on. And maybe LeBron camp did leak that stuff that he wanted out of there. And now we hear Shumper wants out. I can understand Shumper wanted to be out because now with the new additions, because he has no role in that rotation, so I can understand what him wanting mm-hmm. to be traded. But, but yeah, so I did not think that this relationship was that was that torn.
1: Well, going back to the Kyrie trade again, Kevin Durant was on the Bill Simmons podcast, and I mentioned it before. I mumbled through it because the, the words that he used were kind of weird, weirdly placed. So I couldn't even get through it because I was jumping over. But essentially, yeah. Durant said that. Kyrie kind of didn't want all the attention that comes with being around LeBron James. And he wanted to go to a situation where he could just play basketball and not have to worry about, will LeBron leave? Will LeBron stay? What's going on? Because this whole season is going to be – whoever plays in Cleveland is going to deal with that question the entire season. LeBron, are you going to stay? Are you going to go? Do you think LeBron's going to stay? Do you think LeBron's going to go? So the rank I put out there said, listen, there's a lot of of questions – a lot of conversation distractions that come with being around LeBron James. Do you agree with the rant saying that Kyrie probably got sick of it and said, I'm not dealing with this, especially not dealing with and I said it before you came on the dumpster fire is gonna be Cleveland when LeBron leaves?
0: I I think to some degree I agree with him a little bit, but but you're, you 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 were guaranteed going to go into the finals, you've been to the finals three straight years. Like at some point, you know, Shaq and Colby got along with as long as they were winning, you could have hanged in there. If you really wanted it to be about you being your team, you could have waited a year. I think he really – he just never wanted to be in Cleveland. And you kind of saw that before LeBron got there. And then it got kind of quiet when LeBron came back, and then he embraced that a little bit. So to some degree, I think it is a circus with LeBron. You know, Riley – only seems like it was only Ronnie that could really deal with the circus. Like, he put his foot down and told, you know, LeBron, like, listen, you can't have your entourage here every minute and things like that. But it seems like, you know, in Cleveland where he's the king, he gets his way and no one else has a problem, you know, with the circus. So I kind of understand how he just want to get out of there. Even if it has to be going to Boston, I just didn't see that one coming. I didn't see this trade within your number one competitor in the, in the Eastern Conference. For all of no. that, the Indiana Pacers could have got a king's ransom for Paul George, but they didn't want to go that route.
1: Well, and you wrote an article about it for Double G about how, and you told me yesterday you hate this new NBA. You just hate how things are going now. You, you're not a yeah. fan of all of everything going on.
0: Yeah, because I feel like, and I feel like the next collective bargaining, they're gonna have a hard case of you know players in cahoots. The only thing they can say is like you know the owners are have no loyal people. But I think now it's like they're holding a lot of these franchise hostage. Remember the whole thing with the collective bargaining was to protect the small market teams. All of a sudden, Cleveland's a small market team as well, but they just happen to have the biggest star on their team. So I think going forward, we're gonna see maybe it's gonna be a super team league, and I think we're gonna get like five or six super teams, and everybody else is gonna be a non-factor.
1: It's it, you're right. I think it's. And now you have this whole investigation with the Lakers and Magic trying to kind of talk to Paul James, uh, Paul James, Paul George through kind of third party and backdoor dealings. And one, one, he's I'm in there. Like if if Paul George ends up with the Lakers, I could kind of see that tampering being true. But Paul George, I'm in there and Indiana's kind of being salty about the whole situation. What do you think?
0: Not only to be insulting about the situation, but I'm gonna take it a step further. You think I think personally think Westbrook and Paul George at some point during the season they will talk to each other about like, hey, let's go to LA. We're not gonna get nothing we're not gonna get no squats done here in Oklahoma. We both can opt out and go to LA together. Be the hometown kid returning home. So I think players talk about these things way more than the media is covering and do I think Magic tampered? No. Do I think he had conversations with Paul George? Absolutely. But it's all fair game. You think LeBron didn't have conversations with uh, D. Wade and, and Bosch before he signed that deal to um, go to Miami? I'm pretty sure at some point, which I think it was reported, that he wanted Bosch to come to um, to Cleveland, but Bosch said, no, he doesn't want to go to Cleveland, let's all go to Miami. So things have been going on for, for a minute now, especially
1: with LeBron being around at and I agree. I feel like you don't see presidents, GMs, and owners tampering. I feel like that—that's a—that's a, that's a once-in-20-year type thing that you see. I feel like the owners and the, the owners are getting smart to it, where these players are talking. And um, right. it, it there was and we're gonna go wrestling again, as we always do. There was a, a right. interview with Kevin Nash. There's an interview with Kevin Nash, um, where there's Kevin Nash, of course, the click, Kevin Nash, uh, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon. Uh, Sean Waltman, 123Kid, and Triple H were in a room, and they were talking about their WrestleMania payouts. If you, if you don't know WWE, they have WrestleMania, and that's pretty much the big check of the year. You get that one big check, right. and you know how good business was based on that one check. This was back in 1994 and 1995. And they, said, they were talking about their payouts, and Kevin Nash was not happy with the payout he got based on what Shawn Michaels got, and he called the office and said, this, this is BS, I don't want to talk to Vince McMahon. So at that point, it's new. okay, they're talking. I think now the owner's starting to realize in that in the NBA, the players are to talk. And I thought, like you can't oh, yeah. cap that. There's no way to stop that either. You can't say, hey, you can't talk to so-and-so to get him come here. Or you can't talk to, you, right. you can't cut that out. So I think the tampering thing is just Indiana being like, well, we lost Paul George. We know he's going to LA, but we wouldn't get, we wouldn't get a scout before he goes over there, which I'm pretty sure the NBA is like, you're full of it, it's not happening. They just kind of patting them on the head and saying, "We'll investigate because you know you're a small market and we want to keep you happy." But like, come on,
0: <laughs> you know what it is too. You know what it is too. Like, out of all the small, out of all the small market teams, we got a, this a, Indiana example is going to be something that they're going to look at from years to come. Just think about this: when Paul George broke his leg, they could have been like, you know, we shouldn't have our players playing, you know, for USA Basketball. They didn't make any hits to say about it. Because they figured Paul George was a perennial All Star, the team at the time was doing good. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals two years in a row, and then you know Paul broke his leg. David West left. Roy Hibbert reverted back into Roy Hibbert, and things <laughs> didn't fall. In, things didn't fall in place for Indiana, so it kind of like set the tone. And then all of a sudden, Paul George is like, hey, he wants out of here. So Indiana felt like they got hurt. They got burned twice by the same player, and I think they're gonna the NBA. Play association has to be aware because the owners are going to use that as a prime example. Like, hey, listen, we had a franchise player in the small market team. We did everything to appease him. Got to got to the final conference final twice, and he still wanted out. And he could have made the most money staying here, and he didn't want to do that. So they're going to feel away because I don't think if you really look at the landscape of NBA now, not even the Spurs are making it back to the finals anytime soon. So it's really going to be just the glamour, you know. It's going to be the glamour, Golden State. Boston could probably be in the mix a couple of years from now, and LeBron, and that's it. So these small market teams have no shot going forward.
1: Not as you hear. See, I live in New York now. I moved to Queens, and my old apartment in New Jersey, I'd never heard this many sirens ever. And I've heard <laughs> sirens since I moved here, like every night since I've been here. In, like, Welcome to New York. So I, She's surprised. Nine one four three three eight zero eight nine seven is the number you're going to call in and uh, chime in on the Kyrie Irving trade. Last thing on this trade, we got to look at Boston, um, and it's 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 very interesting because they only have four players left from last year's roster: Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Terry Roger. Other than that, the whole roster is over overturned. And Brad Stevens, for as good a coach as he is. It's going to take a minute to kind of mesh all these new faces, especially these old faces who still want, who right. still want their touches. Do you think Brad Stevens is equipped to handle all of this? Because this is, this is a huge ask that Danny Ainge is putting on him to say, hey, I'm giving you 10 new players, make it work. I'm giving you Kyrie Irving, most of all, make it work.
0: I think he's equipped to handle that. I, I think they'll be fine. I think you know, Hayward and him have history. Irving, he's pretty much – he, he, he can form a line with the system, especially with him being the point and everything runs through him. Smart, Crawford, they'll be fine. They'll get their touches. I'm just more interested to see how the young players are going to gel. Like how, where is Tatum going to fit? Where is Brown going to fit? That's what I'm really interested in. I think everybody else will be fine. They'll get along fine. But be, it'll, it's going to be a challenge. I don't think they're going to come out the gates you know, being good. It's going to take some time, and uh, we'll see what happens towards the end. I don't think it's enough to Be Cleveland, it's
1: probably enough to keep them ahead of Toronto and Washington, though. So it's gonna be interesting to see how Brad especially I think Jason Tatum, and I think, for, and the lineup is kind of up in the air because you don't know how you don't know who's gonna start. Because you put Kyrie at the one, who's gonna play two? Unless you put Kyrie at the two, Marcus Smart starting point guard, and Haywards at the three, but maybe you can start him at the two. Then you have Jalen Brown, Tatum. Do you start Tatum right away? And then you have Horford, mm-hmm. who's really a power forward, who you can play at center, but who doesn't really want to play center. And then Aaron they Baines. Right a, yeah. And then Aaron, you can start Aaron Baines at the five, but Aaron Baines is just a big body who really has no skill whatsoever.
0: Right. So it,
1: it, it, the, the, it's, and it's probably a good thing because it's so interchangeable. You can kind of change things on the fly. But as of right now, you really don't know what five you're going to come out with in that first game of the year against Cleveland. Which is ridiculous that that, that this all kind of just happenstance. First game of the year is Cleveland, Boston, and how? You know, yeah, it, it, but it, it doesn't it seem like it was just playing that way. It just seems like it was way too convenient. Seems...
0: <laughs> I I must admit, the last few years of the NBA offseason have been phenomenal. Like you know, with everything going on with the NFL, with the whole Kaepernick situation, the NBA has really capitalized on off-season storylines. Like, you know, as much as remember how we clowned the NBA awards, that seemed like mm-hmm. such a long time ago with all the drama that's happened after that award. It's amazing.
1: You know, and before before you got on tonight, I was talking about it. I'm like, the NBA has done what the NFL's tried to do. And I feel like the yep. NFL has run into some issues because of the Kaepernick thing and players acting a fool and people not really caring because NFL players are acting crazy. But the NBA is kind of going from the NBA awards all Although it's August 25th, and we're still talking about the NBA. preseason yep. football started. Baseball is into like the tail end of the season. You know, and we're still talking about the NBA in late August. And it's, the NBA has done late a really ball. good job of keeping it, of keeping it in people's heads. Like hey, this is year round. We're not going anywhere just because we're not having games. Exactly. And it's really funny because <laughs> I was just talking about that before you called in. Um. So you brought this to my attention yesterday when we texted about doing the show tonight about uh, Skip Bayless. And I, yeah. I am I'm not a fan of Skip Bayless. So I think Skip Bayless is a blowhard, and he contributes nothing to society. And uh, anything he says, I think we all get dumber listening to. And he said something else stupid yesterday about how LeBron James, to him in his crappy opinion – is not mm-hmm. a top five player in the NBA anymore, which I think is BS. I don't know what he's talking about. He has, He's had a vendetta against LeBron for years. <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, a long time. And, it, and it's like, did, did LeBron sleep with your moms? Like, did something happen <laughs> where you hate LeBron this badly? Like, wow. So you had me think about my top five in the NBA currently. I'm going to ask you for your top five first. Because I'm still fighting right. a couple, so I'm gonna give you give you yours first. What's your top five? All right, top five
0: today as of right now. LeBron's still the goat. I mean, he averaged a triple double in the finals. He's been the best player on the planet since he was about 17 years old. So I can't I can't remove him from number one even if he has even even if he lost the NBA Finals last year. That means nothing to me. I'm gonna put Durant number two, and I feel like Durant's always been the second best player in the league for quite some time now. I think Westbrook elevated himself to the top three now, especially with the MVP, especially the way he handled last season for OKC, and now he's going to have help with Paul George this year. I'm expecting good numbers, pretty much similar to last year's numbers. So I'm definitely going to keep Westbrook in my top three. Number four, this here's where it gets a little tricky. Number four, I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go with Curry. I'm going to go with Curry ahead of Kawhi only because. Of the improvement year on year in and year out that we see from Curry, Kawhi kind of like took a step back. He wasn't my mm-hmm. top top three last year, but I'm gonna put him at number four. And to round it out, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Harden at number five. Hmm. Hmm. All
1: right. I think our list is a little different. So I was okay. fighting with one and two. One and two has been my battle in my head for the last 24 hours. I'm going to put LeBron one. And like you say, he's a GOAT right now. Someone has to unseat him. And so someone unseats him. out. And I haven't figured, I haven't figured out who has unseated him yet. My number two was Kevin Durant. I was going to okay. put Kevin Durant one and put LeBron two. Because I thought, based on what he did in the finals, that ele- I felt like that elevated him Past LeBron, because LeBron, you saw some flaws in LeBron last season. You started seeing some chinks in the armor, and I'm like, okay, you started to see a little bit of a decline. And you see Durant kind of jump over him in the finals, but it's not sustained. So if Durant has a season that he had this year in the playoffs and a finals like he had this year, Durant becomes one. But LeBron won, Kevin Durant two. At three, I have Kawhi Leonard, uh, just all around great player. He can score. The defense is what pushes him to three. I feel like it's rare you see a guy oh. Oh, play okay. just as hard oh. defensively as he plays hard offensively. The fact that he can, you know, be in the contendership for the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, All NBA, All Defensive Team says something to me, and I feel like that that, that warrants a top five spot. Number okay. four. Number four, I got James Harden. Um, I think he's going to continue playing well this season, even with Chris Paul playing there. I think his numbers are going to take a dip because I feel like Chris Paul is going to – Harden not playing the point is going to hurt him number-wise, but I still think he's going to put up 29, 30 points a game, hits, a hit his three, scores points. So uh, Harden's four. And as much as I didn't want to put him on this list, because you know how I feel, Russell Westbrook is five. <laughs> I'm not a,
0: Yeah, the MVP. Yeah, the MVP is the fifth best player in the league.
1: I do. I honestly, I'm not big the triple double thing. I'm not big on that. I think the triple double thing is right. for those, those those number whores who love. Oh, you got a triple double last night. That's amazing. Ah, That's great.
0: Okay, you know what? Cool. But that brings up a that brings up a good question. for you. That's what brings up a good question. Do you think the triple double has more value during the regular season or the NBA Finals or the playoffs?
1: Uh, I think the playoffs, I feel like the playoffs. Is, I play like playoffs. The players kind of ticked up a couple notches. notches. But like if you get a triple right. double in the playoffs, yeah, you can get a triple double on a random Tuesday against the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee in February when no one's the game. You know, it, it is what it is. In the regular season, I'm pretty sure. I want to say George Marison got a triple double. Points, rebounds, blocks. George Marison got a triple double. That's not a big deal for me in the regular season. I'm sorry, but if you get one in the playoffs, yeah, I think it's a bigger deal. But uh, yeah,
0: I totally agree. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I, Westbrook is a good player. Is he? he plays a little too fast for me. He's a little out t- too out of control for me. He jacks up to mm-hmm. me shots for me. But I can't, I can't not knock him and put not put him on a list. He's top five. So uh, James, Durant, Kawhi, Harden, Russ, my top five. And that was difficult. That was difficult because I was really fighting with one and two. One and two was probably the toughest thing I had. to get. So I'm like, well, oh, LeBron. You know, you start to see LeBron kind of go go down a little bit. But was it enough to take him out the one spot? And you saw the rant elevate his play. Is that enough to put him at the one? I'm like, not yet. If the rant has, if the rant does what he does again, oh, LeBron's two all day next year. The only
0: reason I didn't put LeBron at number two is because not only has he stayed consistent, he's going, this This is going to be his 15th year in the league, and he has not really, his play has not diminished that much, if, if if any, it really hasn't. So I can't really knock him. I can't take him down the pedal. even as much as Durant's getting better. But we kind of always knew Durant would be the second best player in the league, even from back when he was playing in Texas.
1: Oh, you're definitely right. That's like – and the, the little chinks I was talking about, and you're, you're totally right. There were small chinks. They weren't – that's why I kept them at one. They weren't like – he was just not – he wasn't like Jordan Washington wizard chinks in the armor that we saw. Exactly. It wasn't that bad. It, but it was like, okay, he, he usually makes that shot. Uh, he usually makes that dunk. He missed that one really badly. Uh, yeah, okay. It was little things here and there. If it continues – then you kind make the argument, but you're totally right. The, the little things we saw was not this alarming thing. Like LeBron's on his way out the door, <laughs> game over. Yeah. And as much as like so, said,
0: much as I hate the whole triple double notion, what he did doing that in the finals was very impressive. So I, I'm not going oh, yeah. I'm definitely gonna hold that to him. It's crazy. I, I'm not Westbrook for doing it on a like you said a random Tuesday, but for LeBron to do it in the finals, very impressive.
1: So, well, that's another thing, too, because someone made a good point, and I didn't want to listen to this point, but I had to kind of take it with a a grain of salt. People forget that when Cleveland won a championship last year, people talk about LeBron's block, but I feel like no one talks about the three that Kyrie made to win the game for Cleveland. I (laughs) forgot about that. I feel like a lot of people talk about that block. And how LeBron brought a championship to Cleveland, but everybody forgets that Le- if it wasn't for that Kyrie three over Stephen Curry, who was actually playing defense that possession, they wouldn't have won that game. You know who didn't forget about that shot,
0: Kyrie Irving.
1: Oh yeah, I, I can kind of see why he's like, you know, I'm done here, game over, <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking at the Knicks roster, and it crossed my mind real fast that we're talking. And I want you to hear who we have on the roster right now. And tell me, based on the names you hear, how many wins we will have this year. So we go alphabetical order. So we start with Carmelo Anthony. And this is just the the training camp preseason roster. So a lot of these guys you won't see or they'll probably go to the G League. So keep that in mind also. Carmelo Anthony, Chanel Artist, Ron Baker, Michael Beasley, Damian Dotson, who I think is going to be amazing, Tim Hardaway. Nigel Hayes, Willie Hernan Gomez, Adnan Jeremaz, Luke Cornet, okay. Kaminskis, whose first name I can't ever pronounce, but it's Kaminskis, Cody Lee, Joe King Noah, who says he's gonna come back ready to go. <laughs> yeah. A boy yeah. Frank. <laughs> a boy Frank, Kyle Quinn, yeah. Porzingis, yeah. Chase Randall. Xavier, Raisin Mays, Ramon Sessions, Lance Thomas, who's getting paid like $6 million a year. I totally forgot his contract was there. And oh, wow. Sasha Vujicic, Sasha Vujicic still has a job. I'm still shocked with that oh, wow. whole thing too. Yeah, he's still on the roster. So I based on the names wrong. you've heard,
0: wow.
1: yeah, based on the names you heard, and I'm pretty much banking on Carmelo being, Carmelo, uh, Carmelo's on the roster opening night, Baker's on the roster, Beasley, Dotson Hardaway, that's one, two, three, four, five. Hardan Gomez at six, Kaminska seven, Courtney Lee eight, Jokinoa nine, Frank 10, Kyle 11, Przingis 12, Ramon 13, Lance 14, Vujicic 15. I think they got up to 15 guys on the active roster. So that's that was, okay, okay. Be to 15. How many wins do we get with that with that fifteen? <laughs> if
0: I'm gonna say thirty wins.
1: Ooh, ooh thirty, huh?
0: And I think Melo, and I, and I think Melo gets dealt by the trading deadline, so that that win total could decrease. So I'm gonna say thirty, twenty-five
1: to say 25 to 30 wins. So I'm, I'm. Uh... I'm the East is just so bad though. Like I'm the East is bad. Then they got Sacramento twice. They got Phoenix twice.
0: See that's the thing. See that's Carmelo stays because I think they're going to be in a lot of games. So like you said, the East is bad and the bottom of the West is bad. So that means they're going to be in a lot of games. Now if you have someone like Carmelo late in those games, you can actually win those games. But if he's not there, oh those 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 L's will just rack up.
1: i think i think you're right i think i think 30, 30 of 32 maybe thirty thirty two 32 is gonna be one of those two wins they get against a good team when they rest a bunch of guys when they come to new york or when they go to them so yeah you're probably in that in that range it's just they made a big deal about signing uh about artists and signing guys like that and i was like well that's not really it. Nigel hayes who they they love apparently who played at wisconsin um mm-hmm. they made a big deal about signing him but i'm still like. Then what? Like, wh- what else do we have right now? <laughs> like, Ramon Sessions and Michael Beasley was the biggest signings we had so far this offseason besides uh, Hardaway. And, it's funny,
0: you know, we, we talk about, you know, like you said, Sacramento, Monk and these guys, Monk and uh, Smith Jr., they're going to have a field in when they play at the Garden. I'm going to, you know, mention that because uh, we could have drafted one of those guys, but we fired Phil a week later.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure, I think it was after we did our last show, that Monk came out and said that he thought the Knicks were going to select him at that spot, which is like, okay, so if he thought it, and a lot of us thought it, that means Mm -hmm. Phil either fell asleep at the wheel or just tried to screw everybody over and swore everybody and go with a pick that nobody wanted.
0: That we all have to pray turns out to be 2.0 in terms of Value when nobody saw any.
1: Oh I'm still. I'm. Mm. Speaking anyway, of, speaking of uh, point guards,
0: speaking of speaking of point guards <laughs> in the Atlantic Division, not only do the Knicks have the worst, but that point guard competition in that division alone between Kyrie, Isaiah Thomas, Russell, and Brooklyn, and then we have the Knicks rookie.
1: Well, wait, Ramon Sessions first. Let's do Ramon Sessions. <sighs> Oh, man. Dare, <laughs> I you say, know, you know?
0: dare I say we should have re-signed Derrick Rose. Dare I say it. Oh, well,
1: people make it a big deal about the Derrick Rose signing for Cleveland. Like, Derrick Rose is going to be like this, this this seismic change, and things are going to be great with him. And I'm like, i he got 16 points a game last year. I don't see anything crazy great about Derrick Rose right now. Like, I don't see it.
0: I think he will stabilize that second unit. For Cleveland, though, because you know, like that—that that was a lot of gripe that LeBron had. Like when he come out the game, the production just d- diminished. So I think now you could have another floor general in there for, like, you know, give LeBron that little 5 five, ten-minute breather, and that's for Derek Rose to come in and beat Derrick Rose.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, I just I don't see it, and oh God, uh, I, deep. Th- I don't want this happening. I want Cleveland and Boston to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals for the stories, for the storyline aspect of it. But part right. of me wants to see Cleveland, and part of me wants to see Cleveland self self destruct, and see just infighting, and Dan Gilbert say something slick, and then LeBron say something slick, and they go back and forth. I I kind of want to see that happen also, so I'm kind of on the fence. could still happen. So one of our last stories tonight, i want to talk about Marvin Bagley, who was um he's a high school player who was in the class of 2018 for next year and was going to Duke, but was reclassified last week into the class of 2018, uh, 2017, and now is playing for Duke, apparently this season, um, and was able to kind of take all his courses. The NCAA he's looking into it to make sure he's eligible. My question to you is this, and we talk about this a lot: Do you think this is the beginning of a good thing or a bad thing? Because I feel like guys reclassifying. Late. This is August. You classify now, trying to get in school when school pretty much started for a lot of college kids already. Do you think right. this is going to start a good thing where kids actually care about education? Do you think this is where kids start kind of passing classes that aren't happening, or key scores aren't being really, you know, either not looked at or being taken illegally? Do you think this is a big, a, a big, a good thing for NCA or a bad thing in the long run?
0: I think a long run it's going to be a bad thing because eventually, if they're going to get caught up. Something's, something's going to be exposed. Maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but something's not going to add up, and they're going to get caught up. And it's the NCAA. We can't trust them. That's the enemy we – that's the devil we know. So we cannot take them for a grain of anything. I just
1: don't trust the NCAA. There's the sirens again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, in the, I agree with you. I think the, I feel like you have players who are trying to get to college because they know they have to be one year removed go to the NBA. Right. So they're trying to get to the NCA as quick as humanly possible to get out and go to the NBA. So their focus isn't on their schoolwork. Listen, they're getting C's in these classes and getting pushed through these. And a lot of these high school players aren't really in a high school. They're in prep school. So in a prep right. school, you're not really you – yeah know, your education, your academics aren't exactly high priority. So I feel like They're just like, okay, we'll give you a Go 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 We'll give you B. We'll give you A. Blah blah. blah. Your SAT, okay. We'll have we'll, we'll have we'll have uh we'll have Joni take it, and we'll and but we know the proctor, so the proctor won't think anything of Joni taking it for my man named Marvin. i feel like, this right. is gonna be a bad thing for dancing in the long run because I think guys are gonna get caught doing some illegal stuff at these prep schools, and it hurts the kids, and the kids will be disciplined, but the adults who are doing it won't be disciplined.
0: Exactly, and at some point yeah, I
1: think, it's going to be enough is enough. Yeah, I, I, well, you mentioned NCA too. We're still waiting on North Carolina to get their discipline for NCA, also because for some reason NCA investigations take eighteen years, like Miami investigation with the Ponzi scheme guy. North right. Carolina doesn't know what's going on. So, but then in, in hindsight, North Carolina will be put on probation or lose scholarships or become ineligible in for postseason. But then were Roy, Roy Williams get in trouble for it? No. Will the adults get in trouble? Nope. No. it would be the players who are there now, who are going to class. But the guys like Sean May, who was dumb as a rock, didn't go to class, but took this fictional African American studies class. He won't be penalized because he's already out. Yeah, it's a, it's a ugly web
0: that the NCAA we. Yeah,
1: it, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Someone made a good point. Uh, Last night I was talking to someone, how players aren't has and you saw with Northwestern, Northwestern try to unionize and they got shot down. And players are afraid of kind of uh blowback from the NCA and the schools. But while more players aren't voicing their their, their displeasure with the system that's in place. And it are and I said it last night, they're afraid of what could happen, the reply the reprisal of the NCAA say, okay, you want to fight us? Like, cool, you're ineligible. And people forget, scholarships can get yanked at any time Anytime. for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. And just and yeah, just please, for the hell of it. Even,
0: I was going to say, to piggyback also LeBron earlier, do you think eventually that we'll get to a place where, just like how the NBA players like pretty much widen up and trying to, like, they're trying to, you know, rig the system in their favor. Do you think that, and the college the student athlete will eventually all come together and wise up, like, hey, listen, man, we're getting pimped. We got to do something about it. Do you think we'll get a day where things have to change in the ncaa
1: well i mean you're seeing it now there's a report in espn how their high school guys talking to each other about going to the same college so it's already kind of it's already that aspect of starting where these super teams are starting to be created you know in in college but when you talk about financial the only way things will change is if these players are like, you know what, we're the ones for give you the money. We're the ones bringing in the fans. We're the ones bringing in all this profit. We're not playing. And I'm not sure that there's enough players who will take that approach and say, we're going to sit this out, and we're not going to play because we don't want to deal with this no more. There you go. And it's kind of like what Richard Sherman said about the NFL. You have to be willing to strike. And unfortunately for college players, Because the NCAA, they're still powerful, even though – and everyone knows they're dirty. Everyone knows the NCAA are just just living foul. But they're still one of the most powerful organizations in sports, and you can't really go against them without any type of reprisal. We
0: all got to rise up. They got to rise up, and I think that day is coming. I think it's coming sooner than later.
1: I I hope so. I really hope so. Real fast, are you ordering the McGregor-Mayweather fight tomorrow?
0: I am not ordering the fight. However, I am really on the fence about ordering it. <laughs> I'm not ordering it, but I could like let the last minutes at 11 o'clock if I can't find someone to watch it, I might.
1: I'm a, it's just I've been on the fence for the last month, and I have to work tomorrow night, but I'm I'm kind of working from home, so I'll be home. And I'm like, should I order it? Cause I'm gonna watch with some boys and kind of we're a bump on it and just you know, 10 bucks each. I'm like $100. I don't know if I'm gonna pay that. I'm in New York now. Spectrum cable sucks, but I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, I don't know. And I sort of weigh in before our show tonight, and I'm yeah. like, Ugh. I'm like, I don't know now. I, this is the, the WrestleMania I environment. Intrigued.
0: I am, you know what? Honestly, I, you know how we're wrestling, Mark. I think this this fight has el- has elements of SummerSlam main event where it was a total. Chaotic scene. You know, we saw, we saw people slamming through announce tables. We saw announce tables getting thrown on top of people. I think Floyd's going to go into the box and then Connor's going go to fight. So I think it's going to be an interesting fight. I do think it's going to go a couple more rounds than people expected to go. Connor's young. It, Floyd is 40. He is 40. This is Tom Brady going up against Alabama's defense. <laughs> <laughs> in, that's in all, all essence. In all essence, that's what it is. So that's, why I'm, that's why I'm a little intrigued. You know, we always say, can the best, can Duke beat the, the Brooklyn Nets? Can Alabama, can, can Alabama beat the Cleveland Browns? We're always intrigued by that storyline. And we actually get this in a mixed martial arts, you know, boxing environment. And Floyd is not only fighting for his money, he's fighting for the honor of boxing because he loses his fight. Oh, man, forget about it. Boxing takes a major hit. So he's fighting for his support that he loves. This is more than just a regular boxing match.
1: Very interesting. So we got a couple of seconds. Jason, good show as always. Thanks so much. Box up 7th as a Thursday, normal time. Jason, thanks again. Have a great week. See you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, you too.
0: All right, now.